0: Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action and create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology stories about the journey of amazing women in the tech field starts right now. Welcome to tech in the right direction, the podcast this week, I'll be speaking with Vicki Helm as a keynote speaker. Vicki shares her own business experience, starting her first one at only 10 years old when she became an accidental entrepreneur for life. Currently, Vicky is the CEO of Smart Group Firm and co-CEO of Metadime Digital LLC. She and her partners share the secrets to growing a successful business and creating more wealth. Vicky is a sought after consultant for people who want to grow more assets and take command of their financial freedom. Discover the invaluable secrets, tips, and tools she offers to empower your partnerships, productivity
1: and profits. Welcome to the show, Vicki. I'm so happy
0: to have you on.
1: Thank you, thank you for inviting me here. I'm excited to be here with you.
0: Great, so let's get started. As a woman in business, can you share with us your career journey and how you got to where you are today?
1: Uh, Yeah,
0: we can do that.
1: (laughs) Obviously went to college way back when and I have a degree in accounting and finance. I I worked for Author Anderson for like about three months before I realized that I was just not meant to be in a career working a job. So obviously I went to uh, entrepreneurship. I've had um, 13 successful businesses and wow. have written 39 books now. I think I just released my 40th book wow. and I started uh, entrepreneurship at 10 years old, really, and did the career path for a little while, and then went back to entrepreneurship. And I think I was born a business owner. That's, I so. that's really, I think, <laughs> where, where I was. It's in your blood. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs>
0: Mine too. I think, you know, I started at 16, not at 10, but mm. but still, you know, when that's in your blood, right? Yeah. No, that's great. Um, so tell me a little bit about
1: starting your fir- first business when you were 10. Tell us more about that. Thank you. This happened very accidentally. And and this is the beauty of it. Uh, I lived in San Francisco at that time. And when I was in San Francisco, uh, one summer, I was standing on the street, thinking to myself, how can I make money? That's a question I asked, how can I make money? And, and I keep that, I want to keep that statement there, because that is what has made me successful over my lifetime is asking that question. Mm-hmm. But I was just in there. How could I make money? How could I make money? I was 10 years old before <laughs> I even got the full thought out. I had an idea and I went to the, the house next door to me and I knocked on the door. And when they answered, I didn't even have my spiel ready. I just <laughs> said, hi, my name is Vicky, and I'm collecting Coke bottles so that we can and they didn't even hesitate. They walked over, got me their Coke bottles, and they handed it to me. Wow. And so what ended up happening is I had my hands full of Coke bottles, and I was headed up to the store to, to return the Coke bottles back then mm-hmm. because you had nickel bottles, 10, 10 cent bottles, mm-hmm. and 15 cent bottles. And on the way there, I found a Safeway cart. And then I got the idea that if I put the bottles in the cart, I could go to more store. I mean, more homes. I could go to more homes, get more bottles and then go to the store. Mm -hmm. So I was pushing this cart up the hill when my sisters and a friend saw me and they were like, where'd you get all these Coke bottles? And I told them my spiel. Mm -hmm. This is what I did. I just did this. And so we they helped me push this cart because I had overloaded it with bottles <laughs> by going door to door, knocking, asking for bottles. And so we ended up, they were, everybody wanted in. So we ended mm-hmm. up with four carts, four girls. There was my sisters, myself, and our friend Yvonne. Mm-hmm. And literally through the neighborhood, they, they would wait for us. They'd be like, oh, we saved the bottles for you. Oh. And I did this business every single weekend for until till we moved from San Francisco up north uh, to northern uh, northern California. And we had this business going every single weekend. We would fill the carts up and then divide the money equally because you never knew what door was going to give you a 15 cent bottle or a nickel bottle. But we would uh, divide the money between us that way. And that, that was the first so business.
0: brilliant. Wow. How long did you do that for?
1: Oh, gosh, we did it for almost two years. Wow. I mean, they they knew who we were in the neighborhood. You know, we uh-huh. had our blocks. And the thing was, back then, people would go to the grocery store and they would buy the pop. And the bottles are heavy. I mean, they mm-hmm. didn't want right. to take them back. So right. if they could give them to us, they were out of the garage and uh, they were taken back. And so it was a little, it was a good little business for us for a long Very time. Very nice. Very impressive.
0: So you're an expert in maximizing your potential and multiplying
1: results, right? Mm-hmm. So share with our listeners some top ways to accomplish this. Okay, so there's three things I want to share with your listeners. One is, no matter what you do, you have to be all in. When you're all in, your productivity is in as well. So the way that you maximize your potential is also To me, systems is the second thing. You have to be all in. You want to create systems that help you maximize what your potential could make or what you could do or your creativity. The third thing I do that I think is really important is in my day, I protect the hours that I'm most creative. So for example, in my day, the way I work in the morning, I do the most important work. So when I'm freshest, if I'm writing a book and I need to have some chapters complete, I want to complete a chapter when I'm the freshest and the most creative. That helps my productivity go up. And then in the evening, I get a second wave of creativity, say after 8 p.m. Say 8 p.m. to midnight is another creative hours for me those hours I protect, nobody can bother me. Those are, the, those are the times when I'm the most productive with creating the products. Now you have to figure out when your productivity time is, when you're most creative and work around that. Because I, right now, I'm, I'm not a mom with three kids. So my, what, that's a different type of, you know, protecting your creativity or protecting your productivity. But if you feel around, you'll find that a lot of people become super creative once their head hits the pillow. Whatever that is, whenever you're protecting your potential, your potential has a lot of ideas with it. So uh, literally, I still sleep with a pad and a pencil next to my bed. And if I lay down and ideas are coming, I write them down. Or if I get a sudden... A piece of information that I say, oh, this needs to be added to the book, I write it down. But you'll find that your creativity has spurts throughout the day. So you really want to be all in, you want to have systems and strategies, and you want to protect your most creative hours during the day. And that'll help you have higher productivity when it comes to using your potential.
0: That's really great, because sometimes people are not even aware of their best times, right? They just mm-hmm. open mm-hmm. their day, just monotonous and really don't even think about that. So really protecting your most creative times is really, really important. Um, also, you said systems. Can you tell me a little bit more about systems?
1: Yes. Uh, it, I think no matter what it is that you do, when you have a system in place and your your system helps you become productive. So uh, there's so many businesses out there and I can talk to, you know, all of them. I'm just trying to use an example of something that everyone knows, which is, you know, when you manage your day, when you manage your day, a lot of people have during their week, they know what day they're going to do their laundry. They know what day they're going to do their grocery shopping. And that system that system helps your productivity. I just, I one of my mentors uh, who is just amazing talks about how he creates his systems, him and his wife, literally by even eating the same thing just so that they don't have to overthink about what they're going to do. So even to the point of, if you're really at a high productivity, especially during startup, startup is the 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 place where, if you have systems in place as soon as you can get them, your startup is going to be a little more, it's going to have an edge over every other startup. Your systems in place are the things that mostly manage you and manage your team and manage your vision, your milestones, and your goals. So, so would you if- say like a routine? Well, it part of having systems is having your routine. Okay. Part of having systems is having your routine. Everybody knows that when a sale comes in, it can go through Stripe or you set up your Stripe or you set up your PayPal or you set up mm. this. Those are systems that are uh, that you can automatically take payments for. Mm-hmm. But inside your day, it's the managing your day, you as a person Because you don't know what your day is going to come out like. If you have a business and you're open, you don't know if there's going to be a boatload of people in that day, a few people in that day. You don't know if your online launch, if you have an online business and it's launch day, you want to, you know, you've tested your systems, you've tested everything, but you get to the point where you're tweaking it and moving it so that you can maximize every To me, the maximizing of your time mm-hmm. is the most important system. And the the reason the systems are so important is because they get you to the point where after you're tweaked and they're in place, mm-hmm. they're they take the stress off you. If you have good systems, mm-hmm. you are sleeping at night. If you do not have good systems, you are stressed out completely.
0: You know, that is so true. So many, many years ago, I've been in business for a long time and I was so stressed out because every employee would park and (laughs) uh, park in different places. And sometimes I would be paying $60 for their parking. Sometimes I'd be paying $10 and I kind of depended on them. Right. And I talked to my mentor and he said, all you have to do is set a policy. You set a policy that says we will reimburse up to this much in parking and you will get, if they uh, give you a $60 parking, you only reimburse the 25. Yeah. And so you're so right about having systems and processes in place because that helps you sleep at night.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's one of the areas in business where I think a lot of people a lot of people start a business and they use what I call the fly by the seat of your pants method. And sometimes that works. Sometimes the fly by your seat of your pants, that's kind of how I started at 10 years old and it worked. If you're getting to the point where you want to scale your business out or grow past, you know, your first six figures into your seven figure model of business, the the way you do it, the way that has to be there is that your systems are Tweaked and in place and are scalable with you, there's a point where if you don't have systems that things can get out and away from you, and you'll find holes in your boat that you didn't know were there and have to patch them up really quick. Systems help you track, they help you analyze, they help give you results, they help you see where there's holes in your boats and things like that. and mm-hmm. also, systems help your team help you. Their systems are so great when you have, say, a manufacturing firm, your mm-hmm. systems are in place, your, your people will tell you if you can tweak something and it'll move faster or better or more clear or there won't be so many mistakes based on the system. If you have a system that they can watch with you, they'll tweak it with you as well.
0: Right. No, that's great. So you said you've written a lot of books. I think you said 40. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of books. So yeah. you're a best selling author. Tell mm-hmm. us about the different
1: books and what inspires you to write. Uh, well, you know, it's, uh, it was interesting. What inspires me to write? Hmm, I don't even know how that got there. I just know that there is a conversation and a particular type of person that reads books. And my clients read books, and they read a lot of them. So the best way to get a hold of them is to write books. Uh, my latest book that is out right now is called "Moving from the Six Figure Coach to the Seven Figure Mentor: How to Transform Lives for a Living," which you can get at sevenfigurementorbook.com. Seven and uh, then I also write about mindset and spirituality books, because I think everyone has an inner critic and everyone has an inner winner. And I believe that the inner winner is where success is held in anything you want to do anything. So I love to teach people how to tap into their inner winner and remove their inner critic. And I also love to teach people how to maximize their potential as well And writing books helps me get in front of people that want to, you know, have that kind of breakthrough.
0: I'm going to have to go pick up some of your books because they sound fabulous. Um, So, so tell me a little bit, because I want to write a book and I'm not even close to that yet. Uh, So how do you decide and how do you just jump into it? I'd love to
1: understand a little bit about the process. Great. So, um, There, this is, this is a deep topic, but when you get to the point where you understand why you're writing books, it's not what book to write, but it's why you write books. So Mm -hmm. here's, here's, here's some data and let's start with the data first. Okay. The masses, the average person doesn't read books. They watch Netflix, they watch YouTube, but they don't read books. Mm-hmm. My client, which is the high net worth individual, the high, they have a high net worth individuals, a very high net worth and ultra high net worth individuals. These are terms used by the financial industry to describe a certain type of client. There are people who read books and some read two to six books a month. Wow! And so I read about a book a week and I have since I was 14 years old. These people, that that group of people, that read books, they read nonfiction books. They do not read fiction books, or maybe they read some, but they they're you know very much into business, self development, personal development, um, memoirs. They love mm-hmm. to read about their mentors. There's a specific group of people that are high net worth individuals that read these types of books, and. Mm-hmm. They love to be mentored through books, because for them the fastest path to success is what they're looking for, right. and that's usually through reading a book. So if they're if you own a business, lots of business owners read read books. So you have to understand the first thing: who's your client? The other group of people who read books <laughs> that this cracks me up because it just is how it is, but. Kids read books uh-huh. because parents want kids to read books. The masses, the parents don't read books, but they want their kids to read
0: books. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> so they buy the kids books even though they don't read books. So uh the children's book market is really, really huge. So uh-huh. I'm assuming that you want to be a nonfiction writer. I want to tell you the biggest mistakes people make first before they write their book. So when you're writing it, you don't make this mistake. Right, right. The average Joe doesn't read books. So if you write a book for the average, it's not going to sell. Mm-hmm. If you write the book for the average person, the average person doesn't read books. So again, when you're writing books, the third type of book that really takes off are fiction books and vacation. When you go on vacation, you always have that book that you're going to read on vacation. And it's usually some sort of fiction, science Mm -hmm. fiction or something that people like to read. Mm -hmm. I deal with nonfiction books because I am specifically talking to the client that I do business with, that I work with, that is out there. And so doing that process has made fortunes for everybody, including myself. But if you look at people like, let's just take Grant Cardone, because everybody pretty much knows Grant Cardone. That's how we built Cardone Capital. He wrote a book and he teaches high net worth individuals how to create passive income by becoming a real estate investor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so his whole book is he knew that the high net worth individual wanting to move to the ultra high net worth individual space they he knew that he had to write them a book so he wrote them all the books they needed to become a ultra high net worth person using passive income mm-hmm. by investing in real estate instead of just investing in gold or the market he's mm-hmm. like here this is how you do it and he built his business and his courses and everything else from that excuse me, flow of nonfiction writing. That's why I write.
0: Mm, very neat. Wow. That's that's really good advice. And uh really knowing your audience is is the first piece because otherwise mm-hmm. you can really go wrong, like you said. No, that's great. Did you know that there is an increase in the number of women leaving the tech industry? As a woman-owned business, Directions Training has made it our mission and passion to change this statistic. That's why Jennifer created this podcast. We showcase insight from everyday women for everyday women in the tech industry. Do you know other people that would benefit from tuning in? Share the link and help us drive the advancement of women in the tech industry. Do you have a journey or know of someone that our listeners would benefit from hearing about? Reach out to us at Directionstraining.com slash podcast. Don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and wherever you find your podcasts.
1: Now, back to the show.
0: So you're an international speaker as well. Mm -hmm. So do you have some best practices on overcoming the fear of public speaking? Did you ever
1: have that? And how did you overcome it over the years? Wow, this is such a great question because I've been asked, uh, I'm very self-taught. I'm a self-taught writer, self-taught speaker, self-taught whatever. What happened to me is that I felt a calling to talk about something. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the best ways to express yourself on stage is authentically and showing up warts and all this is you on stage is what I do. I want to model as much authenticity as I can, Mm -hmm. which means when I'm on stage, when I'm talking, I'm not looking to impress an audience with a certain amount of knowledge or something that I have, what I do is I practice allowing whatever the divine is in that moment to come out of my actions, out of my words, out of my heart, and out of my beingness all all at once when I'm mm-hmm. on stage. I don't have a, I didn't study any speaker training. I didn't mm-hmm. go anywhere like that. I'm just In that area, I feel called and I have faith and trust that when I'm on stage, I literally don't go up with a script like today. We're going to talk about this. I'm very Mm -hmm. in the moment and what needs to be said in the moment comes through me. And that's the discussion we have. I mean, I'll have an area or a topic. People Mm -hmm. tell me Mm -hmm. we're talking about this and I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. But here is the one piece of mentorship I can tell anyone One time I went to go see Deepak Chopra Mm -hmm. and I was in the audience and, you know, lucky for me, I'd paid a little extra and I had the tickets that were up front so I could Mm -hmm. see his face and his eyes. And when he came on stage, there were thousands of people in the audience. This is just thousands of people because it was Deepak Chopra. Mm -hmm. And so he came on stage and he said, what do you guys want to talk about today? Tell me, and he looked at the audience, and he people started shouting out stuff like, "Talk about this and talk about that," and he was listening, and he goes, he, he took some words and he took some words from the left to right, mm-hmm. and he goes, "Oh, I know what you guys want to talk about today." He had taken the the kind of audience's request mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and made it his topic, and he did it with no script, no anything, and for me, I was like, that's speaking." That's and great. that's, that's speaking. And that's really where I stepped into that.
0: And I think the authenticity is so important, right? Me too. If it's from your being, and like you said, it's just what you believe and it's your thoughts. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. That is the best type of speaking. I think you could do if you can let yourself do that, you know, sometimes it's hard when you're first starting out, uh, but really being authentic and, and, Doing it from your heart, yeah, it's a practice. That's right. But you
1: know, it's so interesting too because you think to yourself that it's really for the audience. But I found that for me, what has what it has helped me do is again relax, be authentic, so that the person that you're having dinner with, the person on the stage, the person in the office, that's the same person. And what ended up happening for me is that I found kind of this center, if you will, of myself that is more peaceful, more creative, more trusting of myself. It has helped me so much to be and do that exercise. I'm certain it's helped Deepak to do what he does. But that reflection back to me as a speaker, I want it to help me grow as well as my audience grow.
0: Yeah. And you're inspiring based on your knowledge and your Uh, authenticity, you're inspiring Mm -hmm. others, which is so great. So I know you've had many companies. So tell me about maybe the latest one or the last couple. What kinds of things
1: (laughs) did they do to
0: help their customers,
1: the companies? Uh, Thank you. I want to tell you, I I have two companies right now. I've CEO'd up to four of them, which has been a lot of work. That is. (laughs) So now I'm like, okay, two is what I got. I want to tell you about one of my favorites that mm-hmm. happened a few years back that really grew my heart and my mind by doing it. And it was a small business. One of my friends acquired a piece of property and it had what was a restaurant on it and this old 1898 shack on it that used to be a brothel or something like that and (laughs) we looked at the property and he he got there were three couples so there there were six people but they were you know three married couples Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we gathered around and turned that place on its end and rebuilt it really made it into something that was really beautiful we had a Ice cream store, and then in front there was pizza. It was a big family place that you could go to. Nice. The thing about it was that everybody who worked on the project already owned a business outside of the one we were working on. So nobody needed the profits from the business. Nobody Mm -hmm. did. So, what we did instead of paying ourselves profits is we put money obviously back into the business, but Mm -hmm. then we were putting money back into the community and lots of it. We 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 saw a way to take care of, you know, our volunteer fire department and our kids' soccer fields and games. And we put on kids' programs and parties and took care of the seniors. And in fact, we'd have more squabbles about where the money was going. Like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, the kids got that last time. We, they can't get it every month. We have to give it to something new. And then I realized what the power of a business in a community can be and do. And for all your listeners right now, whoever has a business, tithing some of your profits back to your own community is one of the most empowering things you can do. Even if there's internship programs and things like that, wherever you can tithe a little bit back, that giving piece is, oh, it is It was just so so satisfying fulfillment. Yes. You know, I
0: am very passionate about women in technology and I create scholarships and, you know, Mm -hmm. it's my way of giving back and bringing more women into the technology field. And it just feels so good. It really does.
1: Yeah. It's one of the most empowering things you can do as a business owner. And now it becomes a why, how many people can I help with this project? How many people can all benefit in this win, win, win thing? It's switched my thinking forever around business. And I think it's made me a little more successful because there's some part of the divine that knows she's going to give back. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's a great feeling. Yeah, I had a large company,
0: technology company asked me today, why are you doing this? Why are you putting this together? Are you hoping these women will then come by and come and buy more training? And I said, absolutely not. (laughs) I'm going to underserved communities that I know they don't have money to come buy more training. And so I'm doing it more for
1: the goodwill and the community rather than what I can get from it, you know? That's fantastic. And, you know, to to me, that's so interesting because... One of the things we did in our town is we started a micro fund so that it was kind of grant based, so to speak, so that Mm -hmm. these small businesses had money to fall back on where they were going to add a division or get something for their business so we could help the businesses grow in our town.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, that's great. Um, So any secrets, tips, tools that... um, can empower partnerships, productivity, and profits. I know that's a lot there, but, yeah. you know, that's what you're all about. This is what you do. I so do. What, what can you share?
1: So um, I want to talk about partnerships because yep. I think right now, one of the interesting things that's coming back in, I mean, really back at full, full speed ahead is power couple partnerships, husband and wife teams. Mm. Those, uh, the, the world was built on mom and pop. Mom and pop stores, mom and pop businesses, that's what fueled America. And there, even though there's this pandemic and there's this global economic shortage of things, mom and pop have stepped back into their garage online, onto the online business into their home-based business, and these things right here, they've gotten ingenuity again where they're micro-farming or they're mm-hmm. starting another restaurant or a clothing store, a secondhand clothing store. These stores are coming up. Now, the key to success and and being able to be in your marriage, is—that is, that is a daily thing that needs to be worked out. <laughs> it's like The more powerful you become, it's not that it's not that he's the leader or she's the leader. It's that we're the leaders Mm -hmm. and that that respect for everyone, regardless of whatever women listen to me right now. I want all the women that are listening that are right now working for their husband in that family business you're already at seven figures and above, but uh-huh. you're still not taking a paycheck. You still don't have a 401k because uh-huh. somehow you're the wife and you're the person who who's supposed to support your husband. You stop that now and you go get a paycheck And if your team gets benefits, you get benefits as well. You get your Roth IRA, you get those things in place. And don't ever, ever, ever be without your life insurance. You put that life insurance on both of you because if one of you dies, you have lost 50% of your power in your business. Uh Uh So you want to have those fundamental things in place for you so that you can sleep at night. You are not the, high. I'm the free worker because I have a nice house and my husband pays for everything. No. no, you get your paycheck. You get that and you understand your business, understand the money in that business as well. That's, wow, that's, that's really great, advice. That's,
0: great advice. that's something
1: that's so important. Yep.
0: So you've had a lot of experience, a lot of businesses, books. What's the one thing you wish you had known when you began your career
1: that you learned later on? Thank you. This is, uh, I want to be as transparent with your audience as, as I can. I wish I would have learned to believe in myself more Mm -hmm. when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I wish that my focus wasn't so much on who I'm going to marry, who's going to love me or who I'm going to be dating. I Mm -hmm. wish that my focus somehow was a little bit more on um, what I could create mm-hmm. because what ended up happening is, and this I want to get so clearly to any man or woman who's listening, who you are when you start your journey and who you end up being at the end of your journey is vastly different in mm-hmm. entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Who you will marry who you will you will fall in love with and marry in your 20s is not who you're going to fall in love with and marry when you become more successful mm-hmm. as you demand more of yourself and you start becoming more of yourself you're going to want more from your partner yeah. and if your partner doesn't want to move with you you've got to not worry about that not happening and realize that it will happen but it may not happen at the level you're playing at right now. Mm -hmm. As you level up, you'll enjoy more relationships differently.
0: So, So, yeah, I wish I believed that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, good lessons to learn because obviously we all, you know, learn from our mistakes. But Mm -hmm. um, I think what you said is so powerful. My husband came to work. In at Directions about 10 years ago, he was in manufacturing for 33 years and just, you wow. know, kind of retired from there. And it was it was difficult at the beginning. The first year was really tough. It's like, yeah, wait a minute. You know, this is my car, my radio station. Now you're going to come in with me now. I don't have my radio station anymore. But mm-hmm. we've learned to we've really learned to work together and be that power couple, that power you couple. Know. It's yeah. very important. So what you said is, is really critical. So who are three people, we'll pick three, uh, that have been the most influential to you?
1: Um. Wow, thank you. I'm going to start at the top to say Sri Gary Olson. And mm-hmm. he teaches uh, MasterPath. And you can go to MasterPath.org if you're interested in that. Okay uh mm-hmm. Barbara Ann Brennan uh who has the Barbara Brennan School of Healing in Florida that is somebody who's very significant to me and in business um holy smoke there's so many people in business uh but I want to say my 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 absolute idol is from the 1800s mm-hmm. and that would be that would be um uh, Harriet Tubman. Wow. Well, she was, she was born a slave and Mm -hmm. died a millionaire with 32 acres and, uh, houses and farms and, uh, on her property and, uh, fruit trees and everything else. She was a farm and she started off, not as, as a slave. And to me, that is the ultimate in, Success, in, taking yeah. it
0: from nothing to everything, right? Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. Not being, great. Able, to, so not is being there...
1: able to read or write or right. do math and, and having that success. Is there a
0: characteristic or a trait that kind of uh, stands out to you from all these people that really makes them
1: so important to you? That's very interesting. That's a good question. Nobody's ever asked me that. <laughs> what I would, what I would, um, what I would say in this moment is that they were all seekers, freedom seekers. And that is what I, that's the even name of my product. It's the freedom And wow. if you go to freedom seekers way, you'll see that Freedom isn't just financial freedom. It's mm-hmm. emotional freedom, spiritual freedom. It's social freedom. It's all kinds of freedom. And mm-hmm. they're all freedom seekers, all of them. And um, I think and that I think is I think the thing they had there. a
0: lot about you as well, because you said, I didn't want to go into a career. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I mm-hmm. want that freedom to do what yep. I'm good at. And, you know, so I think that kind of aligns with, you know, your career as well.
1: Yeah, it really does and thank you for pointing that out because honestly I I hadn't put those things together at, at, at all really. I did It was just
0: something that stood out and it makes complete sense that yeah. what you said was perfect. So thank you Vicky. Mm-hmm. So in uh, closing I know you did lots of good advice to women as we went through but in closing is there any additional advice that you would give to a woman who's considering a career in business?
1: Yes, I would. Here's what I want to say to women. You have to stop seeing other women as competition and start seeing them as something that you can collaborate with. Mm -hmm. Stop trying to talk bad about them or hurt them or go ahead and befriend the women around you and begin to work together. Together, mm-hmm. the collaborative effort of women and the collaborative ideas and productivity that women can create are is what is what the next decade is about. So so many times women tear each other down. And right now, if we can get women to celebrate and and do what Jennifer is doing, and how, how do you help another woman up? Mm-hmm. How do you help lift other women up out of everything? And, you know, uh, to me, it doesn't matter what race, religion, orientation you are, it doesn't matter, women are women. And we have a lot, a lot of healing and things that we can, we have to do this if we want the world to become thrivable permanently. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great, great advice. And we have to help each other and mm-hmm. lift each other
0: up because Absolutely. that's how we're gonna get there. You know, by um fighting with each other or looking at it as competition, it's never gonna work.
1: So never. Great never. advice.
0: Great advice. So Vicky, share with our listeners how they can get a hold of you.
1: Well, thank you for that. You can just simply find me at Vickihelm.com, V-I-C-K-I-E Helm, H E L M dot com. And my latest books are there. You can go to the sevenfigurementorbook.com, sevenfigurementorbook.com and uh, get a copy of the book there. That's my latest book, but you can see that there. Or you can go to the freedomseekersway.com, freedomseekersway.com. And you can see how we train women to become super powerful in business as well. I love that. Thank you so much, Vicki. It was an
0: honor to have you on my show. So Ho- fun. Hopefully I can have you again sometime soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week.
1: From IT Skill Enhancements to End User Adoption Training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.